Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to All Starts Out We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings-on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Martin Riley, the Ilan Melier 1v1 save of the podcast. I never doubted you, Ilan. And I'm joined by the disallowed rutter goal of the podcast. In my opinion, really soft. Really soft. And after watching, really soft. It's Tom Hostey-Cundall. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, I'm not too bad, Martin. Cheers. Um, yourself? Yeah, yeah, I can't complain. Um, I usually like to talk about what food I've eaten when I, I do my introduction. So I've just not long ago finished a, a nice stuffed crust pizza, so I'm doing happy. Ha- how about you? Have you eaten well? Um, well, I was about. Uh, I planned on having some tomato chicken and pasta, realised that my pots weren't clean, ended up changing to wraps, and then I had two wraps that were mouldy, so I only had one wrap. <laughs> so I've not eaten too bad, but I've not eaten too good. Oh, uh, well... Um, well, it just means more snacks tonight. Well, that, that's the snacks can get, get you a long way. They can certainly get you a long way. Yeah. And I've got chicken. I've got chicken for lunch tomorrow now. Even better, even better. So quite soon after you've made your debut, we've called you back in again. How are you feeling about after being relied on so quickly? F- feeling feeling a little bit like Willie Nonto. What lie? Well, you do you do bear a remarkable resemblance to him. It's the smile, right? Yeah, it's, it's definitely. It's everyone, definitely. everyone says it's the smile. Yeah, yeah. it's the cheeky smile. That's that. That's definitely, definitely where, where it comes from. Yeah. Okay, so we're here today to discuss the the Leeds loss, unfortunately, against Chelsea. I've forgotten him for a second then. Um, and so quickly, I'll go into a quick game summary. And first of all, Leeds set up in the generally a four-four-one-one structure off the ball, generally in a passive mid block against Chelsea's three-four-three. Uh, Chelsea started to dominate the game quite early and they were quite aggressive, not allowing us to settle on the ball and generally dominated possession and had a few half chances as well as a, a big chance which Melier made a big save for in a 1v1 situation and also another one which was put wide by Ben Chilwell. After around 30 minutes, we got into the game a bit more. We were able to have our first real possession of the game. However, we weren't able to convert possession around the box into any real chances. The second half started the same way the first had, with Chelsea generally seeing most of the ball, and Chelsea broke the deadlock in the 52nd minute thanks to a powerful Wesley Fofana header. We generally saw most of the ball for the rest of the game, with Chelsea only attempting two shots after they scored, with both being pretty low-value chances. 
Chelsea weren't pressing high and generally keeping their shape, making it difficult to craft any chances around the box and only looking to attack us in counter-attacking situations. We weren't, however, able to create any big chances and the game ended 1-0. So, is there anything I missed there or anything you saw differently in, in the game, Tom? No, I don't think I saw anything differently. Um, I think some of the things we'll come on to with some of the questions that we've got. Um, but yeah, that's that's exactly how it panned out, really. Great stuff, great stuff. Okay, so we'll f- fire straight into the interrogation. Um, first of all, there's been a fair amount of people saying that we were unlucky to not get any points out of this game. Um, how do you? What's your take on that? Would you agree? Um, I don't think I do agree. Okay. I think... I don't remember us really testing Kepper, and what I do remember is the 1v1 save that you alluded to in the introduction from Melier, from the uh, Kai Havertz chance. Felix hit the bar, Chilwell put it wide from that ball over the top, all good chances. Um, I think there was a few other times which they could have done better with their openings, and they had a lot of them. I can understand that it looks unlucky because we've come up against a team with... £600 million worth of talent and it's a corner that has undone us, which usually low chances and a bit of a lottery, despite what a lot of people kind of say about you've got to make the most of set pieces sometimes. They are more of a lottery. Um, But yeah, I I don't think we did enough to warrant getting a point or three for that matter. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with most of what you said there. I think also people are taking account by the the scoreline it being only 1-0 and that we could have nicked something late on. Um, But yeah, I agree with what you're saying there. Chelsea had a lot more bigger chances than we did and they could have easily have beaten us 3-0 on a different day. And as ever with Chelsea recently, they haven't made the most of their expected goals and just didn't put the chances away that, that they could have done. Um, but yeah, um, just as a bit of a follow-up though, there, w- there was also people on the opposite side of the coin who were saying how poor we were and this Chelsea side were there to be beaten considering their recent poor form. What, what's your take on this one? Uh, obviously they've been in recent poor form, but we haven't exactly been in good form neither. <laughs> so I don't quite, if we were in good form coming into it with a couple of wins rather than one win, um, maybe, but we weren't really on that big of a ride and... Chelsea is still a good team. They're still in the Champions League. Okay, this week we might they might get knocked out, but they've still got a lot of good players. Um, so I think that was that was a bit more of the blind optimism of that you think that Chelsea are there to be taken. I think any game is winnable, obviously, because it's football and that's the beauty of football. Yeah. But um, I don't think that we were. I don't think we were good, but I don't think we were terribly poor in this game I, again I, w- I would agree with that um, I, f- I felt that it's just because Chelsea have been in poor form it doesn't take away how good their side is uh, even with some big players missing they had Kante missing they had Reese James missing they had Thiago Silva missing they still had a ridiculous team and their, their defenders were all of them are very good defenders on the, on the day um, all, all of them were very good on Saturday right Fafana was fantastic um something that i noticed in the rewatch was how good he was at uh shepherding not having to worry about trying to make a last ditch tackle he did it once and he got booked for it on somerville um but then he was very smart with his defending then there was the usher out of nonto and furpo at times when we tried to play down the left and yeah he deservedly got man of the match i think and uh but yeah their defense was really good and 
using three centre-backs also was something which I'll come on to later probably with one of the questions. Um, but I think that, that that move worked well for them. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Uh, we'll on to the next question. Uh, this actual question could actually be cut and pasted from the previous pod. Um, however, we did have some spells where we did keep hold of the ball well and even had some concerted prep possession around their box, but we weren't able to create any real chances. Um, how about this one? Do you have any thoughts on this? There's something I've noticed again on the rewatch, a real lack of execution on that final play and skill. So there was times when Somerville Somerville had done a good run. He broke through, played a nice pass into Harrison, and then Harrison's ball across would be stopped by Kepper. The same happened. Um, McKenney played a good ball in, and that last action from Harrison a few times didn't quite work. Um, but I was saying this in, in the Discord, that the squad has been built for counter-pressing and creating chances through chaos in that counter-press. There's no real creativity within that squad like when we used to have Pablo who could pick a pass from nowhere. Um, so that's where I think the real issue is, that now that we've moved to this, trying to be a bit more conservative, we're not 100% conservative with it and just trying to hold on possession, but we need to find a different way of creating chances because we also don't have someone who can just create a chance out of the blue. I don't know if you agree with that. Uh, yeah, I do massively agree with uh, a lot of what you're saying there. Um, the way the squad has been built, it it hasn't had an emphasis on creating chances by guile or by a quality of pass. It's built to cause errors in the opposition, make them turn over the ball in the high, high position so we don't have to do the hard work in finding those hard passes. And yeah, most definitely I agree with that. Just as a f- follow-up, um, he said there that you put a lot of it down to <clears throat> us not executing the right pass and the team makeup. But how much credit do we have to give Chelsea regarding this bit? And so, would you say that it's more than that's what you said, or would you think it's down to the opposition as well? Yeah, the couple of times that we did execute those moments well. So, I'm thinking uh, Rutter's done it a couple of times now with. He did it against Fulham. He played a nice pass on on a bit of a transition behind the defender for, I think, Nonto against Fulham, and then Aronson was in this one, and uh, Koulibaly made a very good challenge right at the death, and then Aronson tried to put a ball in as he kept it in against Chelsea. And So there is signs there, but again, that's on transition, which isn't exactly <laughs> creating yeah. unless we're playing for that transition. Um, but I saw good signs from Rutter in in that sense, because he got those passes weighted perfectly at times. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that, I agree with that too. Um, and the next thing I'll say is, do you think that we're going to struggle to create chances under Grazia? Do you think that's going to be a thing going forward, or do you think it's too early, or is it again down to the strength of the, the opponent? Well, against Fulham, we created quite a lot of chances, right? They weren't great chances, but we created a lot. Uh, but that was possibly down to how Fulham played as well. We also saw other issues within that midfield that didn't perform against Fulham. And against Chelsea, obviously we've we've touched on that now. So under Grazia, I'd hope that something changes this week and we start seeing some more patterns of play maybe. I think we, we've seen glimpses of things down the left-hand side. So I'm thinking late on when Harrison put in the cross which Ailing then put back in and Rutter hit against the defender. The, the build-up play in the... The interchange between that and the rotations was quite nice, but I don't, I don't know if that's something that they practiced or it was just kind of a muscle memory. Let's do this. Don't know if it can be repeated, but I think that's the sort of thing that we're, 
we've got to be looking at trying to do to create chances. Yeah, that's one thing I would say that we need to continue doing is trying to get, especially I think in in wider areas, trying to make use of the overloads more often. I know it is something that we do seem to be trying to do more of um, under Grazia. And for what it's worth, I think it's still very early days in regards to the way Grazia wants us to play. Um, because we've only really had at most four training sessions um, since it's taken over. So I do think that the things that we have seen, the changes to, to the way we are attacking a bit more patiently, that's definitely a sign of, of him trying to change things around and, we, and we're not always looking to rush things at all times. So yeah, that, that, I, I do think that is something that we can improve on in, in future with more time to, to work on the, the more considered style of play that we wanted to get in, into impression. And next thing I wanted to go on to was uh, actually a listener question from GB Leeds on Twitter. Um, he, they asked, uh, what changed from the first 30 where we looked frantic and sloppy to the next 15 where we seemed more calm? Was it us or just them? I think we looked more calm because they stopped pressing. So I think when they were pressing, we were trying to get the ball forward quickly and fell into a bit of a um, kind of an instinct of get the ball quickly because they're upon us. Um, but yeah, I think that was... And we played a lot better in that 15 as well yeah. because we did create chances in that last 15, which I think is then why after half-time Chelsea came out again back to pressing on us um, after sitting off. I found that actually interesting given what I said last week with regards to... That seems to be a pattern with Chelsea. And so it was interesting that that did happen as well, this 30 minutes where they look on top and then they lay off for the last 15. Um, it's where we needed to capitalise, probably in that area. But we again, we didn't really create any big chances. There was the cross from Alien where Rutter laid it back to Aronson and Fafana blocked it. Uh, that, was, that was basically the only real big chance from that 15-minute spell where we looked better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That um, there was a lot going on in that first half, and I think it definitely was a game plan from Chelsea to press us high um, in the first thirty, and then try to conserve some energy. Um, and just so they don't, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there could be some some injury concerns maybe with Chelsea, and maybe Potter doesn't want them to be pressing fully for a full full half, so he's trying to limit the injuries that you can get from the, the high intensive style of play which uh, as lead fans we are used to the injuries that can come from that and yeah. <laughs> so yeah um, and then after that first 30 minutes they did sit back a lot more than what than what they were they, they were generally a lot more passive and they allowed us more time on the ball and they were just trying to hit us um, in transition rather than um, forcing us to concede the ball in higher areas which did play into our hands so I think it's a bit of both that we did play well in that area, but we are, I think it was more allowed by Chelsea than anything really. And I think also in the first 30 minutes, I think we tried to go long over Chelsea's press um, a fair bit. I, I noticed a few few occasions in the first half where there, there was shorter passes on, but they chose not, not to go for them and rather trying to hit it long, I think, possibly aiming towards uh, Ruter, but they didn't always quite make it to his area. He's probably the only one who could really be able to bring down an aerial ball out of the players in our attacking third. So it's got to be him they're aiming for. <laughs> not yeah. not uh, little willing on to as much as we love him. Um, yeah. But yeah, and that's, that's hope that answers your question, GB Leeds. And 
Next question I've got is, um, both in the Fulham Cup game and in the Chelsea game, both opponents found it very easy to find space down our right side with uh, clipped balls to wide players. Do you think this is a hangover from the narrowness Marsh had, or do you think it's something which Gratz is aware of and is allowing in his game plan? Um, I, I didn't notice it as much during the Fulham game, maybe, but what was noticeable with Chelsea was that Loftus-Cheek hugged the right touchline, Chilwell hugged the left touchline. Um, it could be part of the game plan because I thought that they never really got in behind us apart from that one chance when Chilwell put it wide um, and that was over really. But they never played that that ball over to Chilwell. Wasn't that, apart from that time, it was always in front of Ailing. So it could be that we're seeding that area and allowing that. But what I did think was Somerville was caught in two minds between the left side of centre-back and Chilwell. And it caused him to be a bit narrow. So whether that's Marsh tendencies or it's Somerville not knowing exactly where he needs to be because Harrison stuck on Loftus-Cheek no matter where he was. It looked like a back five sometimes with Harrison being the furthest out wide defender and Somerville just wasn't doing that. So whether that's a defensive issue within Somerville that he's not, he's kind of like, oh, well, if I track back with him, I'm not going to be able to attack whether that's an instruction so that we can get Somerville on the ball quickly and forward and in a transition, it could be. And that we've said, okay, well, we'll let Chilwell have it. And we believed that defensively against the forwards that they'd have from across from Chilwell, we could defend that. So um, it could be one of both things. I've not really answered it. I've said it could be either or. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I saw it. And that's where I'm not sure if it is Marsh or if it is Grazzi on that chance. Yeah, um, I think it's hard to say 100% whether it is part of, of Grazzi's game plan because we've seen so little um, so far, really, comparatively to other managers and whatnot. So it's, it's possible that it, there is some of both there. And I did. I also noticed what you said there about uh, Harrison sticking quite close to Loftus-Cheek. Um, it was he was almost like he was man marking him at times. He was sticking very close to him to limit his space, and I, f- I felt that was a good thing because it did mean that they had to force it down, down the left side. So, um, it, yeah, like I said, there were maybe some chances created from the space that we we had, but I think generally we did deal with crosses pretty well. Um, in my opinion, um, most of the time I think chances came through more central play. There was that one ball through to Chilwell where he just uh, he tried to hit it on the volley, I think, and he just spooned, spooned wide. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see how how that goes going forward, I think. And next, uh, I think we saw a facet of McKinney's game, which we haven't really seen much of so far, and that would be his ball-carrying ability. How do you think we can best make use of this? I think that was definitely something... I know that me and you have actually had this conversation on the Discord regarding his um, his ball carrying on Saturday. I think it's something which we've got to try and utilise somehow. I think having... If we were to have him and Rocker and maybe not Adams, that might be a good way of having two different ways of progressing upfield with him carrying and uh, Rocker passing... Uh, I worry about Adams then, and I'm not sure that there is room for him on uh, mainly the past two performances of him on the ball. Um, I know we've got some talk of Adams coming up, so I, I won't say too much more. Um, but yeah, I think the best way that we can make use of McKenney's running game is to have it so that we've got a mix of options within that midfield of progression. And then you, you don't know, the opposition have to try and accommodate for one or the other, and you hope that the other one thrives. 
Yeah. I, I, I can see that. Um, there's a, that's one, one great, great option, I think. And just to put the um, McKinney's ball carrying into perspective, like it's not just us talking um, the stats to back this up as well. Um, McKinney had the most distance carried for Leeds with 153 yards carried against Chelsea, as well as he did made the most carries into the final third with four. Um, so that's pretty good going for me. Um, I, I felt it. He actually had his best game in an LUFC shirt. He was generally both good in possession and out of it. There were a, f- a, f- a few moments where he'd, he sloppy left, let, 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 let go of the ball, but I think he'd, he'd, overall he was more good than bad, which I felt is something you need to always look at is how many good things a player's doing to, to the bad. And yeah, I felt also, this, like he's mentioned there about Adams, his second game in a row where Adams hasn't looked at his best. Um, he's, Adams has played a lot of his football in an RB system or un, under Jesse Marsh in, at different clubs uh, Marsh even gave him his debut when he was like 16 or 17 uh, do you think he will be able to adapt his game to a different style of play as he didn't really adapt well at Leipzig after Marsh went he saw his game time cut down and do you think that we can find a different role for him to play and if so how do you think he could best fit in a system which isn't a Red Bull one yeah, I think his issue seems to be he's he doesn't run onto the ball. So I've noticed it in a couple of times there's been some passes which have gone astray and it's due to him not anticipating it being played in front of him, which I don't quite understand why, why that is. <laughs> um, I think the sort of role that he could fit into another system is if you just kind of made him a single pivot that just swept up danger and then played an easy pass and he just play, you just play wall passes against him. Um, I, I think you give him that sort of instruction, he can look very good. Mm-hmm. Does Grazia want to have a single pivot doing that? I, I doubt it, given he seems to be a 4-4-2 or that sort of formation. So whether Adams can... I think he could, because I, I think um, Marsh said when he gave him his debut, the reason was was because of how well he took on information. So I think he could maybe, given a pre-season, move into something, into a different role. But I think it could be a difficult transition for him when we need that adaptability now, really. I agree with that. Um, I think we've seen that, um, in my opinion, McKenney is actually adapting better to this style than Adams is. And I think it will take Adams more time to gets used to the, a, a different way of playing it seems that he, he always has to try to do things straight away when he gets them he doesn't really take an extra moment on the ball to work out what he's going to do next and I, I liked your idea about having Rock uh, Adams in a single pivot but like you said as well it's not really something which uh, Grazia has used um, he's mainly been either 4 2 3 1 or 4 2 3 sorry 4 2 3 1 or 4 4 2 or even some kind of back three setup which hasn't also involved a single pivot it's mainly been uh, a two-man pairing in midfield that he's gone for so it's not something that we're likely to see Um, but we'll see how that goes going forward see if he can adapt and improve on what we've been seeing recently because it's just not been good enough really but we'll see how how that goes on Um, next uh, Grazia will have a full week of training to work with the squad and what would you like to see the most work done on? And this is loaded questions, lots of things that you could work on. So, so, so many po- things, yeah. <laughs> Apologies for this one, but have a go. I think it's got to be trying to create chances through 
pattern play or finding a way to make use of set pieces as well in that sense. I know that I've, I've rubbish set pieces earlier, but at the moment we're ju- we are just going short and we do look predictable from them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think the open play, if we can find our way to create chances and break down teams and pull teams apart and find a way that suits the players that we've got, which is what we want to see rather than where we have been, where we haven't been trying to break down teams. We've kind of said, here, you have it and we'll try and get it off you and then we'll try and yeah. hopefully it'll ricochet <laughs> to one of our players, yeah. which going back to Adams is kind of what I think is his issue. I think when a ball's played in front of him, he's expecting another one of our players to kind of be rushing in so that he can pick up a broken piece somewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically I'd like to see from what I want to see next week against, well, maybe not against Brighton because they could just keep the ball <laughs> for the whole 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to be able to see some more pattern playing, build up some rotations and ways that we can create chances and actually create chances. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of things that he could work on. Set pieces is one of them. I do think we did see some variations in set piece patterns against Chelsea. I saw that we were going shorter a few times, which is something I I wondered if we if we should try since we don't seem to have anyone who can beat the first man <laughs> on the on a corner when delivering it like that way. So there were a few of those thrown in, and I think the changes that he's made so far in deeper build up have been pretty good. We've seen um, players dropping in from midfield in between the centre-backs. We've also seen Melier getting a little bit further forward and kind of making a free with the two centre-backs, just giving a pass passing option to them, and Melier being used more. Uh, we saw that a fair bit against, um, I think it was actually Southampton, and then against Fulham, it was more midfielders dropping in, to, in, in between the centre-backs. And that's something which uh, Grazia spoke about was um, having three men there and trying to draw something from the opposition and I think by that he meant trying to draw a press out of them and that's one thing that I have liked but I think there needs to be more progress done around the final third uh, trying to find ways to pull the opponent out of their positions trying to get more movements going and hopefully that's something he can work on this week I think he's done good work on the out of possession we've looked more solid in the mid block that he's got us in and that's what I would like to see next, personally. Okay, so next we'll move on to listener questions. We already covered one earlier, but we've got a few more here. Uh, the first one is from D Young on Twitter. Uh, he's not really phrased it as a question, so I'll just read out what he's put, and then you can just we'll just have a little quick debate about it. Uh, he said, This season has felt particularly cruel. Uh, apparently it might be. 20 of our 25 league games have been drawn or decided by one goal, a uh, higher percentage than usual. Uh, we've won four of these 20 knife-edge games, as he's called them, drawn seven and lost nine. So what's your opinion on this? Is it, is it something which is part of the marsh way? Is it always going to be tight margins at the side of things? Or what do you think? It, I was really interested in this one. So I actually went and looked through the numbers of those close games and looked at our average of how we performed. And so I kind of like, if we say that, you concede over 0.5 more XG, and you say that, that that should be lose by one goal. If you say that you've you've scored more than plus five, not five XG, that you should have scored one more goal. Um, given certain ways of statistics and how they work, we can't confidently say that within those games we would have actually picked up more than 22 points, or 21 points, I think it was. So that's only a two-point difference. So I'm not entirely sure, really, 
even though the games were varied from their actual results of this XG differential sort of thing, um, I don't know if we it's actually that it's been cruel to us and we're actually just performing exactly where you'd expect in those 20 games. Um, I think we'd actually only won, we would have won two, lost five and then drawn 13 or something ridiculous. <laughs> I think it was yeah. um, based on that, which again, still wouldn't be good enough, right? It only puts us two points clearer. The, the only game that we've won where it's been more than that was the 3-0 against Chelsea at the start of the season. Yeah. So that to me isn't particularly cruel because every game that we've won has been by one goal. Yeah, yeah. So that that's us not performing well enough, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, that most definitely, that's something which we've had across the season is um, us not, especially when it comes to holding a lead. That is something which has been the bane of my life this season. We just haven't been able to hold a lead, but um, in Gracia's first game, we did. So I'm I'm, ho- I'm hoping this is something which can maybe turn a corner. But to the young, um, it should be noted that um, in. Gracia's time at Watford, he did also have a lot of these knife-edge games which were won by just a single goal. So it's possibly not something that will go away. <laughs> but we yep. will see how that goes going forward. And next question is from All Donks on Twitter. And will the return of Rodrigo suit our style of play better than any of our current options? Uh, will, he, will he suit our style of play better than current options? I think he suits it better for at the time of his development, Matteo Joseph, and he'll suit it better than Sam Greenwood, as they're the they're the current options. <laughs> um, but whether he actually will suit the new style is, I'm I'm not entirely sure. We know that he like that Grazia has liked to have a free roaming player as a forward to play alongside someone big. So if you get Pat and Rodrigo fit at the same time, which Looks like that's never ever ever gonna happen again. <laughs> never. Weirdly, only ever happened under Bielsa. Yeah. Um, I think that will benefit Rodrigo, and that could benefit us. But I think Rutter. I know that you mentioned earlier he's the only player that we have who could possibly take down the ball from the air. But I think that's actually where he his issue is at the moment. His weakness is. I think if the ball's into feet, he does very well at holding it up. But as soon as that ball's in the air, he seems a bit. He's a bit slower to be able to take it under control from the air and then be able to hold it up. And that's what I noticed on Saturday, that he lost the ball in a few of those areas. So I think Rodrigo could suit our style of play better, but it depends on who his partner is as well. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a fair conclusion. Um, I think the number one thing which would get Rodrigo in instead is his ability to call goals <laughs> and yeah. that is one thing that he has had over any other option that we've played up front this season is that he has been able to create goals sometimes from not a very big chance he's massively overperformed his expected goals this year which cannot be said by any of our, our other strikers um so yeah i do think it would be good to have rodrigo back um and i would love to see rodrigo and bamford hold the same front line but we are cursed, and that will never happen. But we'll see. And I think if some, someone can correct me on Twitter, probably if I'm wrong on this, but Rodrigo puts up quite good expected assist numbers, and so in this system he could be that little bit of creativity, even though he's not. You wouldn't say he's a creative player as a whole, maybe, but he might be that bit of creativity that we are missing. 
Yeah, that, that, that's a fair point as well. Though. You totally forget that forwards that don't just score goals, they can also create them. And yeah, the, Rodrigo definitely does have an eye, an eye for a pass at times. We have seen him, him do some beautiful ones in the past. And but other times he has done some willful things on the ball. <laughs> Arsenal. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I do think it would be good for him being back for us no matter what. Um, and it'd be good, good to see him back and... Hopefully, if Bamford isn't injured for too long, because it's had no at the moment with injuries, because Grazia is keeping his cards very close to his chest, which I think is a fair strategy for when, when dealing with, with Leeds media, because <laughs> it's yeah, very, yeah. very, very, very injury-focused. But on to the next question. This one's from David Hall, again on Twitter. Um, he says, if we have Rocker Adams in the double pivot do you think McKenney further forward will help us create better chances in the final third also for 30 million is that reasonable to expect I think if we played McKenney further forward you have to play Rocker as well because I think he's the player who can find McKenney in those areas so they were, there was definitely a moment against Chelsea where McKenney had found a good spot he, he was calling for the ball he was definitely in space and Furpo chose to go down the line to Harrison instead of into the middle towards him. Um, but he wasn't really in the middle. It was He was just a bit more central. So I think that that would help us create better chances because there I think McKenney has the ability to collect the ball, turn, and he's quite good at playing the ball into a channel out wide from those sort of areas. That's where he played in uh, Harrison for his couple of chances. He played in Aronson, which was a pass which was probably on the wrong side of Aronson, I think, when the ball just came through. Uh, it kind of went round the right-hand side. It wanted to be on the inside of, on the outside of Aronson. Um, but I think that is probably where we could create more chances and better chances if McKenney does play further forward. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, I think for it's worth um, having McKenney up there, it won't be necessarily McKenney who is laying on the killer pass to create the chance no. but yeah, but it's his link up play and finding of space which will help um, especially if we can get other players around McKenney if we can get someone who maybe has a good chemistry with him if we can get work on something in training to try to generate a good chemistry I'm not sure if, how you even go about doing that but I'm sure coach no way <laughs> if we can get someone who well, understands him and I suppose it comes with time I guess that, that the, more, yeah. the more you play with someone that it becomes more natural and I guess I imagine it being like um, a 2011 Everton side when it was Marwan Fellaini and Tim Cahill <laughs> as the the two up top and you've got your McKenney's your Fellaini who can win the ball and bring it down and then lays it off to Let's say let's say it's Ruta there, and then he can play that pass like like I said we saw from Nonto and uh, the Aronson chances. But you've just got to make sure you've got those players running off him on on that sense. Yeah, of course. And I will just just to quickly note on Ruta, he has played some very good balls recently, which is a very good thing to see. Um, to have a forward who is able to hit those passes, so that is a possibility as well. To like you say, play around McKenney so he can create the chances, which maybe McKenney doesn't have the technique to be able to pull off himself okay so the next one actually probably ties in with the previous question to be honest um from uh, will n in the discord he said who should we play at 10 so this would be bearing in mind if we do play a system with a 10 who do you think would play there or should play there so, yeah i think we've yeah we've just discussed mckenny playing there i think that's what i'd like to see um and i guess in an 
another example of that, in a sense, is uh, Veghorst, who's been playing there at times for Man United, right? That's another big guy just playing there to have people play off him. Um, but otherwise, I think the most creative player that we've got who's playing at the moment is probably Somerville. And he played some nice passes on Saturday, but I don't think 10 is his position. However, if you place Somerville at 10 or you play Nyonto at 10, you have them two closer together if you're having Nonto on the left or you have Nonto on 10 and Somerville on the right. And them two do just have this uncanny knack of knowing exactly what the other one's going to do. They know exactly the pace of the other one's going to run at and they link up very well. Yeah, I think that's something which has been commented on by uh, possibly Marsh that they both have um, a good friendship and they've both been very good for each other. Um, since um, Nonto's come into the side, that they've both upped their game, and I'd agree with with that. That if we can try to get those two close together, that will be very good. Even if you play Somerville on the right and maybe Nonto at ten, because I do think Nonto himself is very very good in tight spaces. He is secure with the ball, which is something that we don't really have much of, um, especially if Bamford isn't playing. We don't have someone who we can play the ball to in advanced areas and he'll be, he'll be able to look after it and not immediately give it away and I think that's something which Nonto has in his locker. He doesn't always want to play the pass forward. Quite often recently you've seen him um, maybe moving the ball up the line a bit, realising that he's going to be doubled up on if he tries to go any further and then he just recycles the ball backwards. So me, I would I would like Nonto to be at 10 um, but I would also wouldn't be against McKenney playing in that position as well. Okay, next one is from Sam Bailey from Discord. Um, assuming we stay up, do we need to replace Bamford in the summer? It's a tough one because I think we probably do, unfortunately, just due to the injuries that he's had. And I really hoped that they would be behind him, but he's picked up another one. And yeah, we can't carry on saying we've got Patrick Bamford who could come back from injury, so we don't need to sign anyone. Um, do you sign a backup instead? Well, again, you know, we've had this problem now for two years just about without him. So, and without a backup as well. And so now it's probably best to preserve him as much as we can and keep him around, but get a replacement. And I think that would probably suit Bamford's body as well right now. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, I'd, I'd, I do think, unfortunately, um, it. We can't rely on Bamford to stay fit for long enough, especially if this injury that he's currently got doesn't turn out to be a minor tweak and he's going to be missing a few games and he's not back and got ready to play 10 games in a row like we, we all hoped. Um, but I, do, I don't think that we should sell him. Um, one, I don't think there will be too many teams who will be in for him. Possibly someone in the championship, but I'm not sure if they would maybe be able to meet his wage demands unless maybe one of the sides we were going down, assuming we don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do, I do think we need to bring in another striker in the summer, hopefully, um, which is weird because we've just brought one in. Um, but who knows? Uh, Rutter could turn a, forward, turn a corner and end up being really good for us in the short term. So we'll just, I think we have to see how this season goes. And who knows what pe- people who were playing in, in the striking position either, either because Nonto played there um, when he came on. Um, he was playing up front alongside Matteo Joseph, I believe. So I think that is something which could also be considered. But we'll see what what the rest of the season brings and the summer as to whether we are even in this division or not. 
<laughs> so um, at this point, we're going to move on to the Brighton preview. But this time, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. And it's going to be Tom who's asking me the questions. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Brighton preview. Martin, should I be scared on Saturday with how Brighton are going to play at Ellen Road? <laughs> well, that's, yeah. Definitely. But um, with regards to the way they set up, basically, um, we're most likely to see a 4-2-3-1 shape. Um, that's what the Serbia settled on his shape for a while now, and I believe he was playing that shape before he came to Brighton as well. They're likely to press us high when we have possession in deeper areas and then settle into a mid-block if we can get out of their press, which isn't too likely because they're very good at pressing. Uh, they can attack very directly at times, looking to bypass lines with cutting passes into midfield or with cross-field balls to wide players in space. Um, that's generally not the full-backs. They tend to sit a little bit narrower and it's stripping more the wider players that further up the field who will be occupying that space. Um, they have a number of talented dribblers who can do damage to most opponents, um, especially Mitoma, absolutely frightens the life out of me. He is going to have whoever playing at right back on toast. <laughs> and one thing that that is also very dangerous about him, which you maybe wouldn't think of, but it's when an opponent isn't pressing them. They want their opponent to press them. They try, they dally on the ball in deeper areas. You'll often see their centre-backs putting the foot on top of the ball, just trying to act a bit casual, trying to bait players to press them, to try to open up space further up the field. And it may sound like a little thing, but you notice it so quickly when watching them, honestly. It's, just, it's so obvious that that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to... to to create space, pull pull opponents out of position, move their their attacking players deeper. Especially McAllister, he's very good at dropping deeper and helping to, to link up play to pull defenders out of position and all sorts of other things along those lines. And finally, they are dangerous in transition. Uh, using the dribbling skills of their attackers, along with some very strong long ball ability their centre backs have. All in all, they're just 
a really really fun side and deserve i really enjoyed watching them um lots of people in discord um especially would have he raves about them quite often quite often he loves deserve and i personally wish that we had gone for him to replace bielsa when bielsa had gone because he's all sorts of high risk fun <laughs> yeah and you you mentioned there regarding i know this is slightly off the uh list but the dilly dallying within the box to entice the press if any of the listeners want to see a good example of that the west ham game just gone before so the build-up that wins them the corner basically west ham have pressed in they've got eight players in and around the box they play it to caicedo he turns out and plays a ball into the middle of the pitch with loads of space they win a corner and then they score from that corner and that's the transition i ideas of what you're talking about right and how they are looking to entice a press and then play through that press yeah it's kind of like making artificial transitions um because obviously most people speak of transitions um talking about um counter-attacking when a team's going forward and then looking to, to attack the space that they leave behind they want to try to open that space up without that counter-attacking element that they, they want to try to create space and move into it transitionally like that and it's just so smart it really is and it's um, very fun to watch so how do you expect them to approach the game on Saturday well I, I expect them to approach in a similar way they did against West Ham to uh, press them high when they have possession try to attack quickly like I said before using passes into the midfield area and we've switched to play when those aren't available um, they're very much in form and are full of confidence so I, I can't see them wanting to change much to be honest if anyone has watched the recent game against West Ham that will suitably prepare you for this game they comfortably beat West Ham 4-0 and they're a team in a similar position to what we are so I don't expect them to change much in their game plan they may be away from home so it's possible that they may not be as gung-ho as what they would be um, at their home grounds but we'll see how that ends up yep and so in that case how do you expect do you expect us to change anything with the structure or the lineup for Saturday to try and count counter what Brighton will try to do to us well personally I would like us to see a little bit of a structure change um, I think it's probably most likely to be um, either a 4 4 one, one or a 4 4 2 but I would like to see a 4 5 one structure um, to, this will give us a lot of bodies in and around the central spaces and I think that will help to protect the gaps between players and it'll also help us to protect wide areas as well because if you've got more players in the middle of the pitch creating a flat back uh, midfield five um it will naturally mean that the players will be occupying the wide areas so that will also cover that as well obviously it's not ideal there can still be spaces created but i think that would be one way that we could try to um nullify the way they try to attack and i think our back line will most likely remain unchanged um because mainly because i don't think we have any other fit options um i think it'll most likely be furpo verber and cock and ailing uh can't see much difference changing in there um possible that that we'll see nonto come straight back into the starting lineup personally i would want that um and i think he he should i'm not sure where to play him um but wherever he gets played he's always going to be effective and he'll most likely be router up front because unless Bamford did only, only have a little knock and he's back, um, he's our only option. Um, do you have any thoughts on that and what you think may change? Um, so regarding kind of what we've discussed about Adams being 
tough to get out of Red Bull ball. What scares me about this are Adams and Aronson. I think that we need to be disciplined and hold that structure. And I've noticed it a few times with Aronson that he thinks he sees that trigger to press and nobody else has and he ends up going on his own. And that's going to be dangerous against Brighton, right? That's going to be when they're going to see the opportunity to play through. Um, So I'd like us not to start with Aronson. Yeah. And I think if we're bringing in Nonto, we're probably looking at Somerville and Nonto because I think... I think Somerville played well enough on Saturday to warrant starting again. But then I worry regarding them two defensively in that as well and staying structured. Uh, so I think there's there's a few options that we could go with. Um, but yeah, I'm, I I'd, I think Rocker and McKenney would work fine and not play Adams. And But then again, who do you have as your two up front? Unless that's your Nyonto and Rutter and you have Harrison and Somerville on the right in the 4-4-2. And then if it's the four five one, then you probably drop one of the three wingers of Somerville, Nonto and Harrison and bring in Adams. That would be my preferred uh, midfield, I think. Yeah, I like the sound of that um, because um, as I know that Harrison has been not at his best recently. Uh, for a lot of times he was quite poor against Chelsea. Um, obviously I realised the strength of the opposition, but some of the crosses that he would deliver him was, were quite, quite bad. And yeah, I think on the ball he's been poor recently, but I thought defensively he showed good discipline to stick with Loftus Cheek, like we've alluded to already. And I think that's probably what's important against Brighton. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. So I could I could see Harrison staying it staying in, and what you say about Aronson, and I think also Adams is guilty of that as well. The um, maybe not being as disciplined in in keeping shape as what other options could be so i would like to see that if if that would give us a good chance of of making the best out of this situation i think so with that with one of those two lineups how do we think we can hurt brighton <laughs> it's gonna to be tough and they are gonna be a challenge for us but like you've you've mentioned we'll need to be disciplined in our shape Try not to allow their attackers to pull defenders out of position, especially in the midfield area. Um, like I mentioned previously, McAllister especially is fantastic at this when he drops deep. We need to hold shape when he does this to not allow our shape to be compromised. Keep our mid-block compact in midfield to not allow space for passes between. By compact, I mean maybe seeding a little bit of space in, in wider areas um, because I think the more dangerous attacking through the middle. And especially with the midfielders, have got have got quality to be able to withstand the press. So we need to not press them. We just need to be passive, just restrict space, and try not to press too much. Obviously, if we end up having to chase a the game, they might score. Then we may have to well do that, and it could end up being a rout. Um, but on the other side, they are a pretty high risk side, so they do leave space behind them. And they do; they can commit quite a lot of men forward at times. Um, so I do think that is something that we can try to take advantage of. If we can try to keep some of our best dribblers a little bit further forward. Um, so this is where, where I think possibly uh, the, the Nonto or Ruta, both those two are good at dribbling directly. And I think if we can get them on the ball and get other players to quickly join them in transition, I think that's probably the our best bet of taking something because we will find it tough to um, keep hold of the ball enough to be able to craft chances that way so we may see looking 
a bit like a hit and hope and try to hit him on the counter-attack moments. Yeah, and I guess you kind of said it, but is that how you see the game playing out then? It's just going to be a bit stodgy from us and they're going to be trying to make us unstodgers, in a sense? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that's, I'd expect Brighton to basically dominate possession mostly, um, not allowing us to settle on the ball. I could probably see a goal within the opening 30 minutes of Brighton. Um, if we don't do what was said in the previous question, if we do press and we don't limit space and allow their attackers to move, pull our defenders out of position, then it could quite easily be a goal pretty soon in the game. Um, but if we can hold out and not do that, we may tie them out a little bit more and we may be able to settle on the ball a bit, similar to what happened against Chelsea because uh, not, not many teams can press for a full 45 minutes. Um, so I think it is likely that we may see that lessening off towards the end of the first half, so I think that could be where we could see some promise a bit later in that half. Yeah, and just something which is probably one thing to look out for is whether we decide to press Jason Steele or not, um, because he, apparently he's better with his feet and that's why he's in, in the squad now over Sanchez, but um, I was listening to a podcast in prep and... They kind of said that West Ham didn't press him at all, um, really, so he wasn't tested or pressured at all under the ball, so there's no idea exactly how he's going to react in that situation. Um, but again, you do that, it fails, and Brian are the perfect team to set up against that, aren't they? So, with that, where will the game be won or lost? Well, I think, like we've mentioned a lot, it's about the pressing. Um, if we do press and leave space behind, it, Brighton will just tear that apart. Um, they'll take advantage of that quite easily. And if they can take advantage of the chances, I've noticed on some occasions they have not quite matched their XG, which I think is something which Potter struggled with at Brighton as well. I think thinking of the, I think it was the Fulham game that, that they had recently, and Fulham won one nil and only created 0.3 XG, whereas Brighton had 2.2. So <laughs> that is quite a large differential. So if we can hope, hope that the XG gods look favourably on us and they also miss some decent chances to create, that's another thing that will help it fall in our side. And also if Brighton aren't able to pull our press not our press sorry our mid-block structure apart if they're not able to find space if Grazia's got them working on that during the week that will be a big thing in helping us see out a win here I think yep no I, uh, I completely agree there so um, and with that we'll be back early next week with a review of the Brighton match but until then enjoy the game and have a great week
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.